0: This is Recording Number 10991, from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, June 10, 2012. This is the fourth message in a study of the Bible's Book of Hebrews. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Way of Grace. turn to Hebrews chapter 4 Hebrews chapter 4 when I was uh, in middle school you know middle school is horrible you know that it's just it's just there's no way around it it's just a mess You're self-conscious, and you're going through all these changes physically and stuff, and nobody makes it easy for you. In fact, uh, it seems like that's when kids are the cruelest to each other. So, uh, anyway, one of the things that happened to me when I was in middle school is that I, I got a, a set of nicknames, uh, one of which was Grace. Now, uh, the, re- <laughs> the, s- the reason that they call me Grace is because I didn't have any. And uh, so I was always doing something stupid and stumbling over things or tripping and falling, and nothing much has changed since then, frankly. Uh, In fact, I showed up here last Sunday morning and had a scab on my my head, and and Arnie came up to me and said, You've been at it again, haven't you? Did you fall off a ladder this time? What was it? <laughs> I said, well, I was actually back there working on the drums or something. And <laughs> See, I don't have any early warning s- <laughs> stuff up here anymore. So, it... Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Grace was my name, my nickname. And um, I, the reason I say that is because Grace is a word that we use in a lot of different settings. In fact, we have... Uh, all of us know people who are named Grace. Now, I, I would actually, if it wasn't the, the context I just described that I got this name Grace, I would actually like to be known as that. Because it's a beautiful name. And it means uh, some really wonderful things that we're going to be talking about today. But I'm starting where I started because we use the word and we hear it so often in Christian circles that it starts to have diminishing impact on us we start to lose sight of how powerful a word that is. And how much it can mean to each of us. So today, as we're continuing our study of the book of Hebrews, and looking at this book that in chapter 10 describes for us the theme of this book as being about the new and living way... Today we're going to be talking about how this new and living way is the way of grace. The way of grace. Chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Aren't you glad for that? Even before, I, even before it names him, we know who it is. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Because we have this great high priest, let's hold fast, let's hold tightly to our confession, to what we believe about him. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points Tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. These three verses, chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16, we're going to come back to in just a minute. But let's move on from here. For every high priest, chapter 5, verse 1 says, taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. So I think you understand the role of a priest. He's a, the in-between person, the person who stands between the worshipper and the one worshiped. He's the one that facilitates the connection. He's the one that introduces, the one who does the handoffs. And so a priest is that's that's the role in any religious context. That's what a priest is. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, verse 2 tells us, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Every priest, every human priest, is subject to the same kind of weakness as every human being because he or she is a human being. Because of this, verse 3 says, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. Every earthly priest, every human priest has got to deal with his own sins first. In fact, the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood, when I say Aaronic I mean I'm talking about Aaron who was the first high priest of the Hebrew people. He, his lineage uh, became the line of the high priest, but his tribe that Aaron was from, the Levites, became the, the, the tribe of Aaron. The priesthood. Mm-hmm. And so when, when uh, Aaron and the high priest would go, uh, or, uh, before being able to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people, he had to offer a sacrifice on his own behalf because he was a sinner just like everyone else. That's what's being said here. So, verse four, and no man takes dishonor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. Now, I've been reading in, in the Old Testament about the when the the uh, Israel, the the nation of Israel was split into two: the northern ten tribes of Israel and the southern two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Very sad time in the in the history of of Israel. But the, the man who became the king of the northern tribes, this guy named Jeroboam, he just, he just went hog wild and, and made every kind of worship um, blessed by his authority. So they started establishing temples and shrines to every god under the sun everywhere throughout Israel. And he was just, if you, you came to him and asked him to be a priest, he'd say, okay, you're it. Tag, you're it. Priest, 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 priest. And... Um, So it was really kind of a mess, but this says right here that no one, no legitimate priest takes that honor to himself, but he's called by God like Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he, God the Father, who said to him, God the Son, Jesus, you are my son today. I have begotten you. And the writer of the book of Hebrews does right here what he's been doing all along and will continue to do, draw Old Testament passages into this New Testament book to highlight and illustrate and to authenticate what's being said. As he also says in another place, you, speaking of this uh, this high priest Jesus, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And let me just kind of uh, square that away a little bit. This guy Melchizedek, I will say a little bit more about it but he was a man who was a priest that we know very little about and the and uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is drawing in this Old Testament passage to say now see Jesus was a priest of a different order verse 7 who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, God, who was able to save him, Jesus, from death, and was heard because of his godly fears, describing what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was pouring out his heart before the Lord. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, was Jesus just some sort of spoiled brat that needed to be taught how to obey? No, that's not what this means. When it says there that he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and through his life, when he, when he was again and again and again and again choosing to submit himself to the authority of the King of all Kings, to his Father. When that was happening, this passage tells us he was learning something. Now, how do you, you can't um, teach someone who knows everything that can be known anything. So Jesus was not learning something that he didn't already know. I don't know how to explain this to you very well, but this helps me. That word that's translated there, he learned, means that he began to understand. It says that by the things he suffered, by the the grinding challenge of that garden of gethsemane experience where he was being tempted in ways you and I cannot imagine to give up on what was to come the cross was no small thing and, and the pain of it was just was the minor issue it was jesus knew that there was that this path was leading him to the point where he would take on the sin of the whole world And that there would become a breach between Father and Son. Father, why have you forsaken me? And and, and that you and I can even comprehend. The magnitude of what that was like for Jesus to anticipate. That moment that was unlike any moment in all of eternity. But as he wrestled with that in the garden, his obedience, not my will, yours be done gave him an understanding of what it is to be in submission to God. Because you and I are not God, we are in, hopefully in submission to Him, and that's a different thing. but Jesus came to understand perfectly what that's like. He knows. Now, how many of you can relate to... I'm not talking politically here to his philosophies or anything, but how many of you can relate just to, as a person to Barack Obama? A couple of us, three of us. Not the majority of us. Which is not surprising to me. I don't know him. I've seen his face on TV. I've heard his speeches. I've read some of his position papers. But I don't know him. It's hard for me to relate to him. He's some guy 3000 miles away from me who lives in a in the White House for goodness sake. I live at 941 Prospect Avenue. It's a long way from there to there. But it would be a completely different story if Jim Crans was in the White House. I know that guy. I can relate to him. Right? When we make those kinds of connections with people, it's uh, it changes the nature of the relationship. A guy I know, a, a pastor, a uh, uh, very fruitful, he's older than I am. Believe it or not, there are people in this world older than me. Uh, he's a very... Had a very continues to have a very fruitful ministry. Um, he lives in uh, in Washington State, and uh, he told a story one time about uh, how a guy made an appointment to see him. You know, and usually, I mean, don't 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 take this the wrong way, but this is a little inside baseball stuff. When people make appointments to see me, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> it's usually not going to be good they're not usually making an appointment to tell me how wonderful their life is and how much they love me. <laughs> right? <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So anyway, that had a guy make an appointment to see him. And uh, so they, they sat down in his office and started doing the small talk thing. And, and he said he was waiting for the guy to kind of, you know, lay on the table, whatever it was he'd come to lay on the table and it just didn't happen they just kept chit-chatting and stuff and so finally he says what are you here for (laughs) and the guy and the guy says I'm here to see your scars because here's the thing the the pastor the guy I know had had open-heart surgery and had bypass I can't remember whether it was triple or quadruple but serious bypass surgery and if you ever have ever seen or known anybody who's been through that Frank back there has uh, been through it it ain't it ain't pretty I mean they they saw you open and it's it's bad bad stuff anyway the, the the pastor that I know had been through it and this guy came to see him because he was about to and he says I I'm just here to see your scars. So the guy that I know pulls up his shirt. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) There's only one person in this world that gets that show, and she doesn't like it. So... Anyway, <laughs> so, I mean, you can imagine the scene. I mean, this guy just stripping. And then, then the man gets up out of his chair and comes over and he starts tracing his finger down the lines of the scars. And he goes, all right, I can make it. When we know that our Savior, our High Priest has been through it, and stared down anything and everything we could ever face, it changes things. It changes things. Verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now let me... Let me just quickly tell you about Melchizedek, and then we're going to go back to verses 14, 15, and 16 of chapter 4, and then we'll go home. So, Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, you know, the the first Jew, (laughs) um, has been on a rescue mission to uh, reclaim his nephew and his family who had been taken by uh, a hostile uh, Nation, And so Abraham is successful in this battle to reclaim and recover his relatives and all that they've lost. He's on his way home from that battle and he stops off at this guy named Melchizedek's tent or dwelling, whatever it was, and gives him a tithe, 10%, of every, all of the booty, all of the, the, the stuff that's been gained in the battle. And that's the first mention that we have of this, um, well, the first example that we have of this whole idea of tithing. Um, but that's not the point. The, the point was, this guy comes onto the pages of Scripture, a guy named Melchizedek. We're told he was a priest, and we're told that Abraham paid him a tithe. And then we're told that Melchizedek, or this guy, I mean, I mean, then we see, excuse me, when we see Melchizedek exit, biblical history, basically until here, until we read this. And the point here that the writer of the book of Hebrews is making is that our high priest, Jesus, is not, he, he, he literally was not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. He, he doesn't qualify for the Levitical priesthood. He's a priest of a different order. He's not a man. He doesn't have to make sacrifices for himself because he didn't fail in any way. He was sinless. And this one who is our high priest is the one who dispenses grace. And if you know where grace comes from, that right there changes how you think about it. But then in verses 14, 15, and 16 of chapter uh, 3, excuse me, chapter 4, we have a description of what grace is. And that'll blow your mind. Let's finish off with that. The way of grace... Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin he understands. I don't care what it is that you face today. He's been there. Mm -hmm. And triumphed over it. And because that's true, he can dispense grace to you. Grace. Grace. Just knowing. (laughs) Grace, in part, is just knowing that he's been there already. You can trace the line of his scars. He's been there. That's grace, dear one. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. The way of grace is free access. This high priest does not demand that you chant, doesn't demand that you come with a bleating sacrifice. He does not demand that you are perfect, that you have attended a course or a class. This high priest has opened wide the doors to the act to access the King of all kings. When you say God You're talking to him. That's not some sort of religious exercise. You are talking to him. Because the door has been opened to you. That's grace. That's grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. Mercy and grace are not the same thing. Those two words get used interchangeably and that's okay. But mercy is when God steps in and keeps from me what I deserve. We get to come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy obtain mercy, which is compassion. Where God, just because He loves me, just because He loves me, steps in and holds back what I've unleashed on myself. The consequences of my behaviors and my activities and my Whatever, he, I love you, and he holds it back. That's mercy, dear ones. Now, I can't explain. There is, there is some line. It's a very fine line, and I don't know how to explain it. I know that God cannot and has not in my own life held back all the consequences of my behaviors, of my bad behaviors. If he did, I would learn nothing. If you never, you never discipline your children, what kind of monsters would they become? If you never had a boundary that had to be set or consequences <laughs> that, would be, that, would be, uh, that they would receive. And so there is some measure, some point at which God has to allow the consequences of my sin to reach me but what he holds back, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. But he does that just because he loves us. That's grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the way of grace is understanding, free access, compassion, and favor. The shorthand definition for grace often is told as, or described as, God's unmerited favor. Favor from God we don't deserve, and that'll do. That's a great one right there. That, that definition, if that's what you could take away from here today, uh, that would be fantastic. Unmerited favor but I want to give you another way that that word can be that word caris, or caris, depending on how you want to pronounce it one of the um, literal ways that that word can be translated is this the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. The divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. That the God and maker of all things would shine the splendor of his grace on my heart. So that it gets translated into a change in how I live, so that it influences my thoughts, my my behaving, my speaking, my aspirations, that it begins to change my worldview and reshape my my the way I relate to people. that is grace, and that 's big that 's a word we never want to get used to it 's a word. That, and a and a truth that we never want to just take for granted. The new and living way is the way of grace. Let's stand together. Last um, Monday, excuse me, last Sunday, so a week ago today, I um, we have there's a, a preserve. On on Island that takes you a little, you can walk up to the highest point um, on the island and i I just went for a walk up there and i wasn 't you know usually when i 'm walking it 's business you know i 'm trying to get my my exercise in and stuff and and uh, this, that this didn 't have anything to do with that. I was just slowly moving. <laughs> And uh, I came to a spot where I could look over the Napa River and the Vallejo um, uh, waterfront, and I just sat there. Now, I've got a bald head, and so me and the sun, we don't get along very well. (laughs) Uh, So I, I, uh, and I forgot a hat. Um, So I was tempted not to do this, but I'm so glad I did. I just sat there in the sun. And uh, it wasn't as warm a day as it is today, but it was, it was warm enough. Warm enough that it warmed me. And as I looked out over the, the view that I had, it was amazing how it transformed the view. No longer was it just, oh, boats and cars and people and water. It was... Hard to explain, but it was uh, beautiful. And the beauty uh, of that experience I took with me through most of the rest of that that week. The divine influence, like the sun shining on my heart, the divine influence on my heart has a, a, a transforming effect on my life. That's grace that's grace father we're so grateful for your grace so thankful Jesus that you came and that you went all the way thank you Jesus that you have that you understand that you know everything we can face and that have and you have faced it yourself for us Thank you that you have thrown wide open heaven's door, that we have bold access to the throne of God. Thank you for your compassionate mercy that holds back the tide of what we deserve. And thank you for your unmerited favor.